The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. joined yet again by my permanent guest John Corr and uh, CL Mitchell will be joining us for this program we are examining Genesis chapter 8 today in this long-term series John good afternoon to you good afternoon I think perhaps I think we covered chapter 7 very well perhaps we should just dive into Genesis 8 and if there is any contextual statements that we need to make According to Genesis 7, we can always go back. Sure. Would you like, John, to take a look or take a stab at a general overview of Genesis 8 before we look at it in detail? Sure. Well, Genesis 7 and 8 both are, are related to the flood. Uh, if you think of Genesis 7 was the flood coming and, and the waters rising, Genesis 8 is now the waters receding and God uh, doing a new thing. Uh, with Noah and his family and with the entire you know population of the earth, which is eight people and, and the animals. So as be- we begin chapter 8, uh, it starts off with that sh- actually God remembering Noah. And it's not that God forgot about Noah. It's more the term in Hebrew uh, signifies an action, his remembrance, which set him forth uh, to do something, an act on part of a person. So it's not a, a fleeting remembrance of something in the past. It signifies God taking action to do something for that person, namely, here's Noah. And this is really the pivotal point or the pivot point of which these two chapters uh, rotate around because the whole point of the flood was not just to um, remove the corruption from the world, but it was also to save mankind and save the animals and preserve the earth and start afresh, which uh, in chapter 8 we see how uh, everything starts anew. So. Uh, that's kind of a, a overall um, layout, and in chapter eight also you have the uh, God's um, you know, commitment to uh, to never flood the earth again uh, in this uh, in a universal way because the flood was a universal flood, and uh, His first um, making of a covenant with mankind uh, here Noah, and uh, and this promise that He has kept you know from from that time. We also see the beginnings of government, the beginnings of of, uh, of uh, man and animals being uh, treated differently or dealt with differently, but uh, that's everything else here in Chapter 8. So Chapter 8 is, and Chapter 8 is a long period of time because they're in, the, they're in the ark for over a year, probably about 371 days. So it's a long period of time. A lot ha- has happened. The entire landscape of the earth has changed. Uh, the the way the world was before the flood was completely different than the way it is now. Uh, so we can't really look at uh, the, the layouts of our continents and say, well, you know, here's how it was. It's just, it, which, it just changed because of all the water. 
What would his main mission have been for Noah? He he walks out of this boat. He seems a completely different world ahead of him. It must have been very daunting. Do you think that he had a plan, or that God had a plan for him, a strategy? Well, God definitely has a plan. I mean, God doesn't do anything without a plan. He he knows uh, exactly what he's doing, um, and uh, I mean, whether Noah knew uh, at that time what God's plan was. Uh, probably not, but other than just to, to preserve mankind, I mean, when you think about it, in all of the population of the world, only Noah was found righteous and blameless, uh, and it was a, uh, a very um, daunting and uh, probably, uh, I don't want to say horrific, but a, extremely significant time coming out of that ark, especially because knowing that the world had the world beforehand probably was in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of people. I mean, we were talking an entire population of the world. And now you step out of that ark and you're the, you and your family and the animals with you are the only ones alive. That takes, that probably does a lot uh, of uh, mental or spiritual or, you know, significant um, uh, influence on you. And, uh, and so whether uh, Noah knew what God's plan was ahead of time, the only thing he probably knew was, A, he was going to, he and his sons would start off again. In fact, chapter 8 is funny. Uh, it's not funny, but significant. Chapter 8 in many ways parallels Genesis 1 and 2. You have in Genesis 1 where the earth was covered with water. Here in Genesis 8 starts with cover, being covered with water. And then land is exposed in Genesis 1. Same thing with chapter 8. And then plants are, are, uh, are appear in Genesis 8. Uh, there's a dove that is sent out, and he finds a, a leaf of an olive tree. So it parallels, and as this, it's as if God is saying, this is a new beginning. And so well, I think what Noah will realize is that the, rest, the, 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 the survival of mankind uh, was dependent on he and his family, and God preserved them through that, and of course is entrusting them with the same command he gave to Adam, which was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's just unfortunate that and we see the same things occurring. We, we see essentially the fall of man occurring after this, whether it was Noah directly responsible for that or his sons, or, but, but the same does happen again. Right, and what's significant is that, um, is that the flood did its job of wiping out the corruption of the earth, the... Um, um, you know, it, mankind had gotten so bad that he, he sort of cleaned it. Uh, the word that's used in the Hebrew of, of wiping it is used in uh, in two ways. One, it's used for, for wiping a dish, uh, and uh, it's used um, to describe uh, the, in the prophets. But it's also used to wipe away sins, too. It's the same word that's used for punishing uh, the sin and also the removal of sin. And here, um, one thing it does not do and this is, I think, what's going to happen when we get to the end of chapter 8, is that, that the flood had no uh, part or uh, impact on the human heart. So at that, God's got another plan, another covenant, which he will make in a couple chapters from now that will begin to deal with that. Right now, it's it's sort of a temporary deal. Uh, and even today, um, the real issue with, with mankind, with people on the earth, is is the heart. And the only thing that is effective for changing the human heart is God through the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. So um, that is what we uh, we see here. If we look at John, the first 
four to five chapters, it, it's very self-explanatory. Uh, picking up on verse one, God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subside. I, I wonder, looking at that, why the word wind was used. Again, this goes back to Genesis 1. If you remember in Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2, it says, uh, and the spirit of God or the wind of God was hovering over the, the, the waters that were there in the beginning. Uh, in chapter 1, I think it's referring to the Spirit of God himself. Here, it's probably referring to some sort of wind because if you remember, if you think about it, before the flood, you had the majority of water was either up in the, in the, in the canopy of water, uh, which is called a firmament in Genesis 1, uh, and also the flood, uh, the waters that were underneath the ground. In other words, there's a huge reservoir of water under the ground and a huge reservoir of water up in the atmosphere. Well, those two reservoirs of water are now depleted you might say so now they're all most of the water is in the oceans and so i think what's what's beginning to happen here is you have cycles the the water cycle begins to, where wind begins to evaporate uh, uh water vapor and and that's where the rain begins and um before that they probably didn't have that so the he again it parallels the genesis one with this wind hovering over and the wind is responsible probably for part of the water helping to recede but it's not responsible for all of it. God has to do other things, for example, um, causing uh, the, the earth to change as far as the, the, uh, the levels of the land, um, the rising of the mountains and the lowering of the valleys to cause the water to sort of flow and expose the land. I see in verse 3 that we're talking about <clears throat> 150 days and the water receded steadily from the earth and at the end of 150 days the water deceased. Now, is this 150 days, just to clarify for our listeners, from the beginning of the flood to the point to where we are now? It is 100 days of flooding is what it's describing. So you had the beginning of the, of the flood, which is uh, the 40 days and nights of, of the rain, plus uh, the what is called the, 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 the waters of the deep. In other words, uh, water that was underground and perhaps uh, some sort of earthquake or whatever exposing that water. It, it was flooding for 150, uh, 150 days. So you're halfway through, almost almost halfway through, their time on the ark. They're not half. They're not done yet. There's. It's just the water has been on the earth for that long. Is it not amazing that here, verse four, in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat, <laughs> and and you you wonder of all the places that it could settle and it and it settles at the top of a mountain so they must have departed this ark and had the most amazing vista in front of them well what what's significant is and um obviously area is about it's a little over seventeen thousand feet so it's probably in that area the high it's the highest peak so it makes sense that they would rest on on the highest peak uh what's interesting is a couple things is uh if you look at uh psalm 104 uh describes uh, what uh, what God did during the flood to help the earth be exposed, and let me just read a, 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 uh, two verses there out of out of Psalm 104. Um, he says that you covered the earth with with the deep as with a garment, and the waters were standing above the mountains. So he just describing the flood, which is you know uh, so many cubits or so many feet above the mountains, and then he describes in verses seven in Psalm 104 through nine, uh, at thy rebuke they they fled. In other words, the water started receding. And at the sound of your, uh, thy thunder, they, they hurried away. And then in verse 8, it says, The mountains rose and the valley sank down to the place which you were established for them. In other words, here we are, have uh, in the midst of this flood, now God causes mountains to rise to a certain uh, height, 
which there may have been mountains before the flood, but now they're rising even more significantly, and then the, the valleys to go down, which means that the, the water itself would begin to flow to the lowest points. Is this suggesting that, that globally across the planet that the geographical landscape was changed? Yes, yes. In fact, if, and I'm not a geologist, but from what I've read, there are very significant ge- geological um, formations and, and uh, characteristics that, that go across continents, from, uh, that are that are very uh, uniform as far as the uh, the formations of sedimentary rock and uh, uh, and other, other other formations that uh, are too deep for me uh, or not in my <laughs> expertise. But um, but if you imagine the amount of water that was there, then it makes sense that uh, these formations would would uh, occur. And here, um, uh, perhaps the mountains that were before the flood were made much higher so that the water would, you know, recede and go somewhere else. Is this indicative of God's approach to not only change geographically the landscape of the world as well as the human heart, which we realize was effectively not changed, but those two things he decided, I'm not only going to change the the view that they receive when they disembark this ark and, and what the world is showing us, but also going to show them that he has physically changed the entire scene that's an excellent question <laughs> but i was meditating on that very <laughs> point uh, earlier today i'm becoming good at excellent <laughs> questions <laughs> well i think i think that's i think it's a and this is something you see within the story of the flood is a, there's a lot of parallels between what happens with noah and the earth and what happens in in the christian life and where you see um the transformation that takes place of the landscape of the earth, first of all, is very significant. Secondly, it took time. And it wasn't something where God uh, flooded the earth and in a matter of days it's, it's, it was gone. There was a lot of transformation happening underneath the surface that God was doing unbeknownst to Noah. And, and that sort of parallels the, the Christian life in the sense that God deals with one's sins through Jesus Christ's uh, sacrifice on the cross, but there is a lifelong process through which he begins to transform a person to look differently and to be differently, and it takes time, and it takes significant work of God that are often beneath the surface of what we can see, and he makes those changes so that uh, what was before the flood or what was before a, when a person was before, before they came to Christ is very different. They are a new creation, they are a new person. And so here you have a very wonderful picture of this process that God does uh, to, uh, to a believer. Uh, but I just want to say one more thing on that verse 4 because there's something else that's significant there. And you, you brought it up. It says that the, the ark had rested on, on the mountain. How is it it didn't topple down the mountain? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I had this picture of this pinnacle at the top of the oh, mountain. Oh, well, I just, it, just dangling there. It's probably, you know, maybe it's not on the very peak of the It's probably, you know, up. it's up there. Um, but, the, but there's a reason behind this. Well, first of all, this is the second mention of the word rest. Okay. The first word is, is mentioned, of course, in Genesis where God rested after his six days of work. Here, there's a resting of the work of the ark. The ark, which was to preserve mankind, the ark, which was to preserve the animals, and bring uh, righteous Noah and his family through this this wrath, you might say. It's also interesting, and of course, this parallels uh, 
in the Christian life, the rest of Jesus Christ, the the work that he did on the cross was complete. It was finished. He says at the very last things he says, or one of the last things he says, it is finished. It is complete. My work is done. His work of redemption is done. No more to be added to it. We don't have to add any more to the work of Christ. We don't have to. We just rest in that. What's interesting is the date that this happens. It says the seventh month and the 17th day of the month the ark rested. If you look at the book of Exodus and you look at chapter 12, and it's the chapter that deals with the Passover lamb, what's interesting is that in and as far as I understand, there is two calendars in the Old Testament. There is a civil calendar and there's a religious calendar. In the civil calendar, the seventh month becomes the first month on religious calendar. So what's going on here? In chapter 12 of Exodus describes the sacrifice of the Lamb of God or the Lamb, uh, a Passover lamb. He was taken, he was, he was taken as a pet and he was, he was slaughtered or killed on, I think, I believe on the 14th day. So a few days later, which is which be the, the, the three days later, the resurrection of Christ, is the same day that the ark rested on the mountains. The seventh month, which is the first month of the religious calendar, on the 17th day, which w- would have corresponded to three days after the... It's interesting that it's perhaps signifying uh, the same thing with, with, uh, uh, with Christ and the cross. I guess as well that is a very profound piece of information given that here we're assuming that Moses is the author but by the time you reach the New Testament you have other authors right um, so there are contextually uh, parallels here there are links and and we see that all the way through the Old Testament that there are uh, dates and periods that are consistent right but does that not show a huge connection in the storyline and the belief when you can go from this period to thousands of years later to the cross? Yes, and that's that's a good observation that you have uh, 66 books written in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, which is very similar to, to Hebrew. Very different authors, different different styles of writing, and yet there's one story that connects it all. Um, that is, in fact, um, in chapter 8 has, and, and the whole story of the flood has so many parallels with, with, um, with the work of Christ and then the cross. It's a whole other study all on its own. But yes, it signifies or shows evidence of, of this thread of redemption that, that runs through it all, this, that this, connects it all. Does this not beg the question that you see these incredible early chapters in Genesis and do we have evidence or or is there an understanding that when the Gospels were written that they were using the Old Testament as reference? We don't necessarily know that, do we? Well, well, yeah. I mean, they had... That was their Bible. I'm, I'm suggesting this because... It, 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 I'm, what I'm indicating is that perhaps if they weren't, were not completely using the Old Testament, it, it, it supports even more the profound position we, we see here with these contextual uh, uh, parallels, connections. Right. And, and what they do, here's what the New Testament writers do. They 
first of all, they're all very knowledgeable of the Old Testament. I mean, they um, that was their Bible. That was Jesus' Bible. That was when when Paul says how he um, Paul's practice of going to the synagogue and sharing uh, the gospels, uh, the gospel with people, was to prove who Jesus was through the Old Testament. Um, Jesus, when he is meeting with after the resurrection, he's walking with two men who were on the road to Emmaus. And I, I just love the scripture. It says that he begins to share with them what everything that had to happen to the Messiah, everything that had to happen to to, uh, to God's anointed one, beginning with Moses, which i.e. beginning with Genesis, and through all the, the the prophets, and showing where he was in the Old Testament. And then it says before they, he he had disappeared after they had you know communion. They said, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was teaching these things? Jesus used the Old Testament to point to, but here's what the New Testament writers do. They take what's written in the Old Testament and where Jesus is sort of hidden and begin to, to, to shine light on that and begin to show how Christ fulfills many of these pictures and, and symbols that are there in the Old. So, uh, yeah, they, they would have... Not, I'm going to say added to it, but they were shown that how Christ was the the puzzle that the puzzle piece that was missing the the object that was being described in all the Old Testament, but um, but, but, but funda- showing their fulfillment in him. But fundamentally, Jesus had as his Bible the Old Testament, right? So, which means that the Old Testament still relevant. <laughs> well, it, uh, and and not no, not only that, is it more relevant indeed than the New Testament, given that the, the New Testament in a major part, correct me if I'm wrong, is really charting Jesus, the crucifixion, uh, and, and, and contextually uh, connecting that to the Old Testament. But are we, are we, uh, or do we have a responsibility to be more focused on the Old Testament than we do the New Testament? No, I think I think the whole thing. <laughs> you think of it's one story. So, what's the most important part of the story? The beginning and the end. Well, they're both important, and the middle too. Uh, they all, you know, the 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 beginning is the foundation for the middle and then the end. And so, there isn't one part that's um, the part that we as Christians tend to focus on is the New Testament because. Um, we we get the revelation of Christ. We get uh, we get uh, the answers that that uh, they often look the prophets often looked into, uh, but it's all it's all one story. So you can't say well one is more. What I think what a lot of Christians today tend to do is neg- neglect the Old Testament because of you know maybe time or not really knowing how it flows, but it all flows together. Mm-hmm. And the and the Old Testament. Uh, um, you know, is just as necessary as a new. Let's go on. Let's move on to uh, um, verse 6. Unless you have any other um, areas that you want to focus on, then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Um, my question there would be, uh, why did he open the window and not the door? Uh, possibly because he would <laughs> roll down the, roll down well, the, the mountain. Uh, and I realize the, the context here of the raven. Um, did, was he so concerned that he did indeed have to send out uh, um, a raven and a dove to and to ensure that all was safe? Yeah, he well, obviously had no expectation or didn't realize what he was going to encounter. He would, this was purely by faith and faith alone. Right. Well, f- the the first question was why the window and not the door. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I well, just first of all the out. the door uh, the door God God shut the door. And so, you know, um, I don't, I, and God kept it shut during the flood. Uh, 
you know, here's this big gaping hole on the side of the ark. You know, this is this is not a little, you know, regular house door. This is a big door through which the animals walked. And it says that God shut the door, and then he kept it, he had to keep it shut because that God was in charge of that. So I wouldn't propose that Noah would try to open the door like that God had closed. It was in God's timing through which he would say, Noah, come out of the ark. He says that later on, you know, in the chapter, Noah, come out of the ark, you know. Uh, the window part is is and with the releasing of the the dove and, and the raven is just that he is trying to see what's out there. He has no idea, uh, and this window part would have been on the top part of the ark, uh, and probably would have, would have, would have been covered by some sort of tarp of some sort. But but yeah, he's a man of faith. And here's what's interesting about Noah is is that he does not do anything without without God telling him. In other words, he's very obedient to God. He only does what God tells him to do. Every command, every word he does. And he does not move ahead of God. He does not get out of the ark yet until God says, come out. And I was going to ask the question. We know that when they they board the ark, that the door is closed behind them. Yeah. God closes the door behind them. And we're moving on. I'm sure you're going to tell me off here and go back. But with this, is 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 it essentially God who again opens the door i think that's the, i think that's the implication is that when or at least when god says you know go out of the ark uh it's you know it doesn't say that god opened the door or it just implies that god allows the door to be open at the right time in the right way because then it's safe it's safe for them to come out before this time god kept it closed and noah understood that noah is very fine and secure in god's secure you know secure hand on the side of the ark um, and so um, the implication is that perhaps God allowed it to be open. You know, maybe the angel that was there the whole time was gone, or we don't know. But We're traveling through verse 7 to 15, and I think that 13 is quite possibly a very extremely serious and, and strong verse, but are there any particular verses prior to that for our listeners that we should be focused upon? We, we have this narrative about the dove and the raven, and uh, we see that essentially there is due diligence here uh, until Noah uh, and his family can leave, but are there any specific parts of this that you would want to focus on? Um, you know, it's interesting just with the raven and dove, a raven is typically a, a bird of you know, uh, likes to eat dead things. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a way to put it, John. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he sends out the raven, and, you know, comes back and then and then sends out the dove and the dove finds the, you know, the, the olive branch, which tells me a couple of things. One, uh, first of all, doves, they don't eat other animals. They eat, as far as I know, they eat plants maybe. But, but it began to tell Noah that the water started to recede and there was plant life on uh, beginning to sprout uh, what's interesting is that the uh, uh, the olive tree is one of the most um, it's a it's a very tough plant. It's very hard to kill. It's very it's a very um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's hardy. It's hardy. It's, that's a good English word. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's it's re, it's resistant. And so here uh, here um, plants are beginning to appear, beginning to appear. So. Um, and then, of course, it says the dove went away. I imagine the dove came back to find its mate, you know, at some point in the future. But, uh, but it's just this process, again, this process through which God is taking them 
and then we get to you know chapter uh, verse thirteen. Um, and and just to point out for our listeners again, we're seeing in ten, uh, verse ten, this this contextual. Uh, story structure where again so he waited yet another seven days and and we get to verse 12 then he waited yet another seven days that this is a complete pattern all the way from the creation and this not only that is this the character of noah that's described here this man's a patient man i mean he's been on the boat for it's going to be over a year and he is he is patient he is waiting he's he is a careful he does not run ahead uh, it speaks a lot about him. I mean, it's no wonder God <laughs> picked him to uh, uh, to to say, but um, and not that Noah had any righteousness to to you know warrant salvation. But it's interesting; his character is uh, is broadcast here in, in these verses. So you are on to verse thirteen. We know that in verse twelve, the dove left and it did not return. So we're aware now that Noah is. Uh, becoming uh, comfortable about the surroundings and about the security that he's about to walk out into. Verse 13, John. Well, it's 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 a year later, and finally he gets out, he he looks and he sees, of course, the, the, the ground is dry. And so you have a complete new uh, transformed landscape, um, and everything's changed. I imagine it's probably cold outside because they're up in the mountains now. I imagine that, you know, whereas beforehand the the temperature of the earth was probably more uniform. Now they now they enter the the enter the world now that's there's harsh realities going on here. It's probably cold, it's probably windy, perhaps it's snow. What's that? Well it's something new they haven't seen perhaps before. And now they have to begin life on the earth uh um to you know repopulate it, but uh to start afresh with uh, different conditions than they were used to. And we see here uh, it mentions then Noah removed the covering of the ark. What is the covering? Is that a piece of canvas or something? It's, pr- it's probably some sort of canopy of sort that was on the top of the ark that covered. Uh, there's a window, pr- they think, that went around the whole perimeter. And so that probably covered that um, and probably let some light in. And, uh, you know, we're not we're not really uh, certain. but um, But now begins the process of... Uh, disembarking and, and, and getting out of the ark. Now, what are the most notable verses following 13 that we should be concentrating on here? Well, <coughs> I think God's word in verse 15 where he says uh, in 16, go out of the ark, you and your sons and your, and your, and your wives with you, bring everything that, uh, that's... that's um, bring all the animals with you in verse 17 and and allow them to read abundantly, allow them to now replenish the earth. And they did that. Um, again, it's, it's the, the principle of God's timing and God's, God's will and God's, God's word through which Noah begins to, um, to respond to. Again, Noah does not do a thing without God uh, telling him to do that. And there's a wonderful picture of, uh, of Jesus Christ here. Because Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father do, or I only do what the Father tells me to do. Noah is a wonderful picture of Christ, uh, because it is through Noah here that the, that the world was saved, and it's through Jesus Christ that per- people today can be saved. So you, you are indicating here, in fact, that Noah is doing absolutely nothing without the hand of God exact, on him. Yes. Exactly, and that's, what, and that's what the Gospels recorded about Christ, that he says, I don't do anything without either the Father telling me or I seen the... 
you know, I, I, it's the Father that gives me the, the directions, and I do what he says. And, and, and Noah is a wonderful picture of that kind of, of man and that kind of, of character, you know, that would wait on God and would do what God tells him to do. And, of course, the blessings of that are tremendous. So here's, you know, here he is um, alive. We know that there was a long period uh, following the last chapter of the Old Testament. Maybe C.O. Mitchell wants to respond to this. Um, there was a long period that you may want to uh, define. And uh, now here we are um, at this momentous time when Noah is about to leave the ark and, and God is speaking to Noah. What is the reason why God has gone silent in that period? When, when we turn the pages of... Um the biblical text, uh, we turn the pages and um, we're able to jump quite quickly, if you will, um, into periods of men and women's lives with whom God dealt. Uh, and uh, if we are to look at the scriptures as we read them from our perspective, it would almost appear that God had spoken to them on a daily basis. However, there are times when you have long stints of time where God does not in fact, speak to them. An example of that would be when you meet Abraham in Genesis 12, he's 75. Uh, God certainly has spoken to him. Uh, but by the time you get to chapter 15 and 16, he's 85 in chapter 15, 86 in uh, uh, chapter 16. Um, you get later on and the age simply progresses. Uh, I think you have the same thing. We have the record that God speaks to Noah in order to get him to build the ark. He gives him instructions concerning the animal's occupancy of the ark and um, the eight souls or persons, including himself, um, uh, that are to occupy the ark. Uh, he gives him uh, instruction to leave the ark. Uh, he gives him instructions following that, but we have no record where he speaks to him during his stay on the ark. Now, mind you, uh, what he's in the midst of is he's in the midst of tr triumph over tragedy. And I think that that is picturesque. Uh, um, they have every reason within the ark to be afraid because they probably hear screams and wailings when the storms begin. They hear uh, um, this magnanimous sound, I'm sure, from lightning and thunder and things that they've never heard before. Uh, they have not been exposed to such things. And uh, through this thunderous sound, they're probably not hearing God's voice. There's probably just the, um, uh, the disturbance, if you will, of the elements. But he has to go along this journey and all along this journey by means of faith. Faith does not presuppose that we will always have the accompanying voice of God for the modern believer. We will have the accompanying voice of God within the framework of, of written revelation. But outside of written revelation, God may not necessarily speak to us for years, if in fact he does that. But we have to walk with the certainty and uh, surety, if you will, that we are, are going according to the plumb line or according to the measuring scale or according to the measuring rule of the word of God. And if we have that, literally, we have more than Noah did because he didn't have a full canon or text of scripture. And I think that's it's really encouraging to to believers today, you know, because we assume that he talked to you and, you know, talked to Noah or, you know, the guys uh, in the gospels every Tuesday or every Thursday, you know, <laughs> the voice of God. But here there's years, if you know, or months or years and so, you know, that's okay. That's normal. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm not normal because I'm not hearing from God every day. Well, I mean, he, he is speaking to us through his word. And Noah didn't have his complete word. But he still does what God says. 
And we have a hard time with God, with the silence of God more than anything else because we're, we're wondering, well, have I gone off course or have I missed you? Well, just keep going. We're, 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 the last command you got from headquarters is keep keep doing that, you know, and and uh, God will speak at the right time. He, he, he speaks when he needs to speak, when he needs to interject something, when, when it's significant enough for – but in between that, you go with what you already know. You go with, with – well, here we have the – the written scriptures already. So we have the advantage that Noah didn't have. And, and I think it's important to note that when he speaks, he's not going to speak in a way that undermines or abrogates the necessity of faith. I think, and I think that's that's right on too with we, where, it's, where it talks about Noah being a righteous man. But here's Noah after he, he made the ark for, you know, a hundred years or so. And not only did he have to walk on the ark, he had to step foot on the ark. That's a step of faith. His whole, his whole family, each individual person in his family had to do the same thing too. The, building the ark was not enough. He had to go on through the ark as well and trust that the ark would save him and trust that it would secure, be, that God would somehow providentially, uh, miraculously preserve them through this, this, uh, this flood. I, I think that there's something to point out, um, and, and David, you asked earlier, were there any significant verses? We don't have time to go over those verses, but allow me to mention that what you see here in uh, verses 9 and 10 and 11 are of particular importance because the friendly nature betwixt man and animals uh, is going to change after this. Uh, the, the birds, the doves, if you will, uh, the ravens feel comfortable with man. The animals have a comfort ability with man. But in chapter number nine, there's going to be the fear of, of um, man placed in animals. And in fact, for the first time in chapter number nine, the dietary um, um, situation of mankind is going to change because hitherto, according to the biblical record, what we've been led to believe is that there is a vegetarian condition that is going on. Uh, but after this, there's going to be the arrangement, if you will, for animals to be consumed as a meal by man. It, it, it seems to me, though, that that what is happening here is um, in 1 Peter 3, there is a reference back to this. This is a mark of salvation. And salvation should be noted to be a, a brilliant, triumphant experience over troubled waters. That's what Jesus does for us. He carries us over the water, through the water in safety. We are safe in him whilst we are at the same time in a dangerous situation. Salvation is not uh, liberation from unsafe environs or things of that nature. Um, it's, it's not a problemless or a problem-free scenario or setting. Rather, it is being safe within the ark, namely in the New Testament, the person of Jesus, whilst he carries us through the troubled waters of life. And uh, I think that what you see here in Old Testament form is carried out in its full redemptive measure within the framework of Jesus Christ and later on alluded to as a reference point and as an anchor uh, by Peter. In other words, Peter wants to say there is an anchor of this hope even laid for us within the waters of the Old Testament. What Jesus Christ is doing is not new. It is the fulfillment of a figure or a picture that we saw 
laid within the anchoring, if you will, of the old covenant. But no one could do it in the completeness or in the finality that Jesus Christ could, in fact, do it in. In other words, if we are safe in Jesus, we are even more safe and more certainly sure on footing and on ground than even Noah and his constituents or his family were when they were safe. Well, gentlemen, that completes our program today. I guess we're going to be completing um, Genesis 8 next week. Um, I hope you, the listeners, have enjoyed this program as much as we have. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series, davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, God bless you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management tune into inner speak soul adventures talk radio show every tuesday evening at 5 p.m pacific time 8 eastern and learn how to let go of your past and create the reality you desire and deserve allowing your inner communication to take place more easily without the interference of our noisy mind chatter or your ego inner speak soul adventures with gene adrian right here on the seventh wave network as a new era approaches december 2012 Evolution invites you to expand awareness now to become the magnificent creator you forgot you are. Explore beyond current sensory perceptions with host Doreen Agostino to align body, mind, spirit, and unleash inner wealth. Discover and apply universal success principles to consciously and deliberately create your life. To align with inner truth, shine light of new thought, and joyfully prosper. Tune in Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Annie Arman. 
And teens, you have got to tune into this show and listen to your fellow teens. If you're out there confused because somebody is trying to put doubts in you, making you think that you can't do what you want to do, get it straight. You can, you will, and you will get it done no matter what. And don't ever give up because you're not alone. Don't miss Annie Armin Live on Voice America, Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with dr pat basili radio to thrive by the violent crime rate has begun to rise again so what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life with an optimistic perspective on a sober subject crime prevention and personal safety expert susan bartlestone brings you the information tips resources and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. Listen for The American Advisor with Joe Battaglia twice every week. This is a live call-in talk show where Joe discusses the economic and political events that affect your investments. 
Joe's macro market calls have helped thousands of investors pave their way to a more secure financial future. As a bonus, everyone who calls into the program will receive a 1964 Silver Kennedy half-dollar coin that's been graded uncirculated. The American Advisor is heard every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Are you ready to learn all about NASCAR from an insider's perspective? Join Eddie DeHaan every week for the NASCAR Insider. It's an interactive look at the world of NASCAR from the drivers to the crew chiefs. You'll hear from top flight NASCAR guests that the other shows only wish they could have. Hear about last week's recap, this week's news, and more. Call in to interact with Eddie and his guests every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, exclusively on the Power of Motorsports channel. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. The Marsh Engel Show. 
Join the movement to empower yourself with the essentials of feminine power and success and learn how women around the world are becoming more inspired, more influential, and absolutely amazing. Each week, Marsh sits down for an engaging conversation with women who are boldly committed to living their most amazing life. You'll discover ways to step into your greatest vision, deepen your relationships, and unleash your real creative brilliance. Get ready. It's time to jump into the conversation. That's Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern for The Marsh Engel Show on the Voice America Business Network. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk network do you need directions to solid financial future if so the money answer show with jordan goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances join jordan every monday at 12 p.m pacific standard time 3 p.m eastern for the money answer show on the voice america business channel learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages cars and insurance find out the best ways to save for college and retirement get out of debt improve your credit rating and save on your taxes the money answer show with jordan goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. Listen up. Conceive Magazine is now on the air, live and on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Hosted by Kim Hahn, founder of Conceive Magazine. 
Conceive On Air offers comfort and emotional support to women contemplating starting or expanding their family by consulting noted professional experts and by sharing the insights and experiences of others. Kim wants to share her experiences to educate and empower women. Conceive On Air is the only complete resource destination that inspires and informs future moms about their fertility on the journey to parenthood. Conceive On Air with Kim Han, celebrating the creation of families. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The Dream Big Revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the Dream Big Revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio, dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 